Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Uh, we've been the last several weeks uh, at the end of chapter 5 looking at marriage. Uh, we looked specifically at, at the wife a couple weeks ago, and then we looked at husbands uh, last week. And so now we're moving uh, very, very obviously, I guess, to children, right? You deal with wives, deal with husbands, and then next Paul is going to deal uh, with, with students, with children. So kids, if you're, if you're listening this morning, this is for you. I hope you are listening. Uh, parents as well. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to to be uh, in your in your house with your people today. God, we thank you for uh, Bibles, uh, that we can understand your will for our lives. God, that we can know how to do life, how to do marriage, how to do um, parenting. Uh, God, thank you that you've given us clear instruction. And, and not only clear instruction, but promises. God, what, what an incredible blessing to me as a dad to have this promise uh, to, to offer up to my kids, to present before their eyes. And Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you'd help us to take with all earnestness our responsibility as parents and as children uh, to live out your commands. Father, we trust you. Uh, we thank you for Chris and Callie. And we're excited, Father, for what you're doing in our church and uh, for the, the opportunity to add a staff member and to see new ministry begin. Uh, Father, we just thank you for him. We pray for both of them this week. We pray that you'd be confirming in their hearts the, their place at Lincoln, uh, their place in ministry. And we pray, Father, you'd be confirming in our hearts, God, uh, their place in our church. And, uh, Father, we just pray that you would bring us to a, a unity and, and an excitement uh, as far as the direction you're leading us. Father, we, uh, we ask for your Holy Spirit to work today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one thing that is universally true of all parents, I believe all parents, I can't imagine this not being true, is that they want their children to be blessed, okay? Parents want their children to be blessed. They want their, they want their kids to be happy. Isn't that true? That's true, isn't it? Uh, there, there, there's, a, there's a strong desire in, in every parent that, that their child have a good life, that they have good relationships, that they be blessed. And, and, and as parents, we pour incredible amounts of time and energy and money attempting to bring blessing to our children. That is true, isn't it? I mean, that, that's completely true. From the time that they're, they're little bitty to the time even that they're grown and off married, parent, a parent's heart, there's something hardwired into a mom and into a dad where they desperately want their kids to do okay. They want their kids to be okay. They want their kids to succeed and be, be prosperous and be blessed and have good relationships. Parents want that desperately. I swear I have seen mothers on the side of soccer fields that I really think if they could have given their right arm for little Johnny to score a goal, they would have done it. I mean, they would have done it right there. They would have offered it up and said, you can have it if only my, my boy will score a goal and everybody will cheer. I mean, that that's the desire of, of a mom sometimes. There, there are parents who go, will go in their bedroom and literally just weep and be broken when their child is rejected or goes through a hard time or hits some difficult thing in life. There are dads who will work themselves into the ground to provide every material comfort for their children. There, there, there's guys who will throw their rotator cup out 
in the front yard just, just hoping that that little guy will be good at baseball or that he'll succeed in, in athletics. Yet here's the truth. Here, here's the truth that us parents, we get smacked with all the times. Ultimately, it's out of our control whether our children will live a blessed life. I mean, so much of that stuff, just we can't, we can't control it. That's a painful thing in a lot of parents' lives to realize that, you know what? There's so much of, of my kid's life that I, that I can't determine. I can't control. I can't control whether they'll be liked, you know? I, I can't go into the, the first grade class and, and buy off all the kids so that they like my kid. You know, some people try to do that, really. I mean, I think there, there's an effort on parents' part sometimes to try to do that, but ultimately, Ultimately, it doesn't, doesn't work. You know, we, we can't make our kids be good at algebra. Uh, my mom and dad tried. They tried desperately, and it just it, it couldn't happen. We, we can't make our kids, you know, be successful in friendships. We, we can't make them be an athlete or make them be physically attractive. We can help in those things. We can quiz them in math problems, and we can play catch in the yard. But ultimately, there's so much of that stuff that is just out of our hands, Okay. So that's discouraging. That's the discouraging news is that, you know, I, I, can't, I can't just program my kid's life so that, so that everything always goes well for them and then they succeed and they don't have troubles and, and they just go you know, right through life and do great. We, we ultimately cannot do that for our kids. But here, here, parents, here is a dream verse for you, okay? If you're not excited about this verse, then I don't think you're listening, okay? If you're a parent here, because this is a dream verse for a parent. It says, children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, okay? A promise. Did you hear that? This is the first commandment with a promise. And, you know, Paul is emphasizing that there is a promise to this command. If you will do this, parents, if you will do this, children, then here is is God's promise to you. And it's huge. Verse 3 says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now that's incredibly significant, isn't it? As a parent, I'm really excited about that. That God, who never lies and who is always faithful, has made a promise to my children. He's speaking to them. As he's speaking to me, I'm listening to this. And the promise is how they will prosper, live an abundant and full life. And how's that going to happen? What are the factors involved in that? And the factors are that the children obey their parents and that they honor their father and mother. Now, that implies some things, first of all. We're going we're gonna to unpack all of that, and we're going to look at what that means for kids. But before we even get that far, you know, that implies some things about us as parents, okay? First of all, before we even get to the kids, it implies that, that we're, we're going to be in there teaching and disciplining and commanding and establishing boundaries and holding the child accountable. I mean, the child cannot obey mother, mother and father unless mother and father are actually establishing boundaries and, and commands and exercising authority to govern the child's life. Now, now, it's important for us to say that because it's really not always the case that mothers and fathers habitually establish those boundaries. In fact, many times, moms and dads live in a world where they are habitually caving in to the, to the whims of, the, of their kids. Um, folks, it, it's our responsibility, parents, to govern our children's lives. Uh, it's, it's not our, it's, it's not our deal to say, Hey, you know, you live how you want to live and you tell me, you know, do you want to go to church or not? You know, or which one do you want to go to? Or do you want to go to school or not? Or do you want to play, you know, do you want to do your homework or not? Or do you want to clean your room? You know, it's up to you. If you want to live in this, then, you know, Hey, it's a free country. No, that, that, that's, that's not at all the picture that the Bible paints for you as a parent. Not, not only are we to give commands, but we are to expect obedience from our kids. We are to teach our children to obey and honor you. See, if, if I look 
look at this passage right, then I'm seeing a promise for my five children. A promise of, of quality and quantity of life for them if they will obey and honor me. Okay? And so as I look at that and I say, man, I want my kids to have that, then, then something ought to be triggered to me. Say, you know what? It's my responsibility to teach them to obey and, and to honor me. Right? I mean, I mean, I shouldn't just say, boy, I sure hope they do. Man, I sure hope they do because there's a lot riding on this. You, know, you got a promise from God. And so I'm just going to sit back and hope that you do the right thing. No, that's not it at all. My job is to help them. My job is to cultivate in them hearts of obedience and honor so that, so that I am promoting in their life that they obey and that they honor me because they're not going to do that by nature. And it's, all, it's possible for me to actually train them not to do that. I mean, that's the scary thing about a parent is you can actually undermine this thing. God offers this incredible promise and we as parents can actually hinder our kids... From, from, from fulfilling the promise that's going to lead them to great blessing. Now, how do we do that? Well, you know, it's possible to train your two-year-old to, to ignore you. I mean, that's possible. It's possible to train your two-year-old to not obey you. You know, I, I mean, we do that. And, and you know what? They're wired to push that on us. The other day, I was, uh, I, I, was, I was at home. Emma was gone. She was at Red Cloud. And, and I told Haven, we were in a hurry. We need to get somewhere. And I said, Haven, she was over watching Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs on the TV. And, and I said, Haven, come over here so I can dress you. We got to go. And she looks right at me and she says, I'm trying to watch Meatballs. Just give me a minute. Okay? Now, now. It's funny, it's funny because, you know, she obviously got that from another unnamed female in our life who, who says, just give me a minute, a lot in our house. But it's really not funny. You know, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not, is it? You know, here she is telling her dad. Her dad told her, hey, you come over here. We're going to put your clothes on because this is what we got to do. And she's telling me, just give me a minute, okay? And she's two. Now, there's a lot riding on what I do next, isn't there? Habitually. I could mess up once and it'd be okay, or twice probably. But you know what? I'm not loving my little girl if I don't handle that, am I? You know what Proverbs says? Proverbs 13, 24. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son. And that's such a strong verse. I mean, whoever spares the rod, whoever does not discipline their child hates them. How, how do they hate them? He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. You know why? You know why I use that word hate? Because there's so much riding on this thing here. On whether or not I'm going to do the hard work to take my two-year-old by the hand and say, Listen, honey, when daddy says come here, you got to come here. Okay? You, you, you can't tell daddy your terms. You got to come. When daddy says come, you come. And, and if she needs a little swat or whatever you do as parents, you know, whatever, to, to emphasize that, to put an exclamation point behind that, then we, we need to do that. Because you see what she wants? She wants to command and for me to obey. Isn't that what she wants? I mean, she wants to switch this thing around, you know. Fathers, obey your children and honor your children. I mean, that, that, that's what's wired into her. And, and so we've, we've got to do some rewiring here. And we got to be careful that we don't undermine the very promise that God is giving to our children. Folks, don't train your three-year-old to think that they're the center of the universe, that, that you exist to cater to their whim, that, 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 that you exist to wait on them. Folks, don't do that. Don't, don't treat your 12-year-old like a peer. 
like you know, uh, uh, like you would your, your your girlfriend or your your guy, you know, your buddy. I mean, that that that's not the relationship that God has set forth here. There is a clear order that leads to the blessing of your child. God is saying, I know it's in your heart. I know it's in your heart to want your child to have a good life, to want them to be blessed. And so, if you want that, then follow this. Okay, follow this model where, where you're establishing boundaries, where you're governing the life of your child. And then you demand and expect and punish when that order is rejected by your child. And, and all the while realizing that it's, it's not a power trip on your point and your part. It's for the joy and the happiness of your child that you command and discipline and instruct them. Man, when you think about the, just the amount of instruction that needs to happen in a household, that, that's almost overwhelming, you know, isn't it? I mean, not, not just learning how to talk and how to walk and how to eat properly and how to sit at the table and learn manners, but, but I'm talking about big things in life that have got to be learned by, by, by the children. I mean, learning how not to be selfish, that's a tough deal. Hey, parents, we still struggle with that, don't we? Uh, I mean, learning how to put to death the sin in your life and learning how to tell yourself no. How to govern your own desires. Those are hard things. Uh, Learning how to care about the needs of somebody beside yourself. Learning learning how to be kind to those who are not kind to you. Learning the character of God. Learning the law of God. Learning who Jesus is and what He's done on the cross. All those things are laying on on the shoulders of a mom and a dad. That's not anybody else's responsibility but moms and dads. It's not Andrew's responsibility, and it's not my responsibility for your kids. Mine is my kids, but, 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 but ultimately, mom and dad, you're the ones that God has told the child. He's looked down out of heaven and said to the children here this morning, Hey, you obey your mom and dad. And that's a heavy thing on their life, but it's also a heavy thing on our lives in that we realize God's entrusting me to instruct and in me to command, and me to, to, to shape and govern this kid's life. And God's telling him, you listen to your mom and dad. And implied in that is that we're saying the right things. Now, that, that poses another question that people ask all the time. Well, what if, what if my mom and dad aren't believers? You know, what if, what if my mom and dad aren't teaching about Jesus? And what if, what if they're kind of messed up themselves, you know? And, and, and what, if, what, if, what if they're really not living a life that, that they ought to live? And in fact, my life as a, maybe a student, as a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, really looks better than, than my mom and dad's life. You know, does this, does this commandment still apply to me? Yes, it does. Absolutely. In fact, notice what Paul says. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. I mean, Paul just makes a moral statement. It's right. You know, not only is it right, but Colossians 3.20 says it is pleasing to God when you do it. In other words, 12-year-old, if you're a born-again believer and, and you're here and you say, I love God and He's saved me and my parents are all messed up. You know what? You still have. You want to please God, then you, you submit yourself and you honor God by honoring your mom and dad and, and by obeying them. Never, never crossing God's law. In other words, if your mom and dad say, hey, we want you to go rob a bank. Okay, don't do that. You know, there are times where you have to, just as we talked about with wives submitting and submitting to government there is a time where you got to say hey there's a higher law here most of the time that's not the case with moms and dads i mean very seldom is that actually the case where where, where that that applies i, I have heard of some I, I do know of some but not very many okay and so, so this is a pleasing right thing. And, and actually the point is not that the parent always knows more than the child. I mean, whenever we hear, you know, obey your parents, honor your father and mother, immediately what we always think is that's a good idea because parents know more than kids, right? And most of the time that is true. Most of the time 
Parents do know more than kids, but not always. And actually, that's really not even the point. The point, as we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, is that God has designed the universe to run in a certain way. And God has designed the family to run in a certain way, right? And two weeks ago, wives are to place themselves under the leadership of their husbands. Husbands are to lead their wives. Why is that? Is that because guys are always smarter and better leaders than, than gals? Absolutely not. There's abundant evidence to the contrary of that. And nobody is saying that at Lincoln Avenue. But what we are saying is that for a wife to be who she is in the Lord, she needs to place herself under her husband's authority. And for a, a husband to be who he needs to be in the Lord, he needs to take the initiative and he needs to get out there and lead his family and he needed to take strides of of leadership and initiative in his life and we're saying for a kid to be who a kid needs to be in the lord they need to submit themselves to the authority of their parents next week we're going to look at even even harder one Uh, chapter 6 verse 5 starts talking about slaves and masters i mean nobody would ever say that in the roman empire every master was always smarter and more capable and more holy and more godly than all the slaves that wasn't the that wasn't the case at all But yet Paul says, look, there's an order here that has to take place. And we've got to recognize these these authority figures in our life. It is good for us. It it brings blessing upon our lives when we do so. I mean, can you imagine, again, we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. Can you imagine a world without these authority structures? Can you imagine a world without government? You know, where where we didn't submit to government. We didn't submit to laws. We didn't make laws. I mean, that's a world I don't want to live in. Can you imagine a world where there are no parents, you know, with authority? Where kids just raise themselves. They're born. They're shipped to an island. They all are there together until they're, you know, 17, 18. Then we ship them back into our society. I don't want to live in that island. And I don't want to be on that dock when that ship comes in. Okay, that's not a good idea. Nobody would say that's a good idea. And so God has created a system here in the family that we need to honor the way the system works. Not only are children to obey their parents, but notice that it takes it a step further in quoting the the fifth commandment. Verse two says, honor your father and your mother. This for this is the first commandment with a promise. Uh, kids, not only are you to obey, but you're supposed to honor your, your parents. That word honor means, it, it's, a, it's a word that means heavy. It's a word that means importance. It's to value something as important. So, so this is not just an outward thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to do what you say, but I really, you know, I, I don't honor you and I don't like you and I, I'm not going to treat you well and I'm not going to think well of you and I'm not going to speak well of you. Kids, if you want the promise and, 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 and listen to the promise, again, we're going to talk about it here in just a minute, but that you, that you may... It it may go well with you, that your days may be long in the land. If you want that promise, part of that is recognizing you need to honor your father and mother. Not just an outward obedience, but recognizing them as important people in your life. You know, students, here's what I would challenge you with. I would challenge you just to take the face step. And it's a face step. Just to take the face step that says, you know what? God knew what he was doing when he put my mom and dad in my life. And they're not perfect. And they don't always do the right thing. But I believe you, Jesus, that if I will treat them with honor. And if I'll obey them and seek to submit myself under their authority. That you, Jesus, will bless me. I mean, that, that's the promise to kids. That's the promise to wives, isn't it? Two weeks ago, we looked at that if a wife will, will submit herself to the husband. I mean, Jesus has that gal's back. 
And, and he says, I'm going to do things in that guy through your submission that could never be done, that are supernatural things. And in the same way, I think for a student to, to, to hear from the Lord, you know what, if I just if I obey my mom and dad, and if I, even though I don't agree with everything they're saying, and even though I, I don't agree with all the rules, but if I'll just say, Jesus, you put them in my life, and I'm going I'm to submit myself under their authority as long as I'm in the house here, and I'm going to honor them all my life, that Jesus, you will do something in me that is supernatural and that is good and that couldn't be done otherwise. That, that's a promise to kids. And that's an exciting thing. Parents, if we'll exercise authority and discipline, and if our child will obey the voice, our voice and honor our commands, that they're going to live a life of quality and quantity. Now, first of all, how could that be true? How could this promise be true? Because I bet there's some of you that are, you're, you're thinking already. You, you knew of somebody. You knew of a great kid who obeyed his mom and dad and honored his father and mother. And he died in some kind of tragic accident. Or he, he didn't live very long. And, and something happened. You're like, okay, well, h- how does this come together? How could this promise always be true? Well, first of all, it's not a magic spell guaranteeing that Junior, if he does this thing, is going to live to be 100. He's going to make a six-figure income all of his life. That The Bible seldom really works that way. I don't think, I think that's missing the point, okay? This this is a promise made and God is a faithful God and he will be faithful to this promise, but it operates under the sovereign will of God. God has a will, God has a plan, God's moving all eternity to this one one point, okay? And everything's going to fit into that. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't look at this as as, as an algebra equation that if A plus B is going to equal C, okay? But, but we also, at the same time, just got to trust that God, God's faithful with this. God, God is going to bring quality of life. God is going to bring quantity of life, which ultimately, I believe, leads to, to eternal life. Okay, I think when he talks about you're going to live long in the land, obviously that was, that was a reference in the Old Testament to the promised land. But I think as Paul is speaking it to us today, okay, to, to the church, that obviously it has, it has a further fulfillment, I think, in, in, in eternal life, in a relationship with God. But, but we gotta, we got to honor what God's saying here is that, that He's going to do this. He's going to bring life to children who will, who, will, who will step out and obey their mom and dad and honor them, who will think highly, treat them with importance and honor in their life. Well, how could this be true? Well, let me give you a couple different ways that I believe this, this, this promise is going to come about. First of all, If we go kind of the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 21, verse 15 and 17, it says, Whoever strikes his father or mother shall be put to death. Uh, In verse 17, whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. Obviously, in the Old Testament, under the law, I mean, there were some serious consequences for not obeying your father and mother. So obviously, if you obeyed your father and mother, you're going to live longer than if you didn't because because of the consequences upon there. Now, I know we don't do that today. Jesus commands us, you know, we're in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, under under a new new command. And we're not to do that today, though probably some of you have felt like doing that at some point in your life. Um, but, but, But that's not the way that we're to handle uh, our kids. But there's still a principle there that disobedience often leads to death, okay? Disobedience to godly parents is disobedience to God. And if you live a life of disobedience, that's going to cut both the quality and the quantity of your life uh, down. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. We looked at this a lot at Lincoln Avenue. But it gives us a spiritual principle. It says, let us... uh, Let me read verse... uh, I'm going to go back up to verse 7, actually. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. That verse talks about sowing and reaping. And it says if you sow obedience to to God, if you sow love to God, then you're going to reap a certain kind of life. If you sow disobedience to God, if you sow rebellion to God, then you're going to reap another type of life. And that type of life is going to be corruption. It's going to go from better to worse. And so in a real way, if your mom and dad are instilling godly principles in you, and I'm I'm assuming that many of you here today, you kids here today, your mom and dad are trying to follow God. Not perfectly, but they're trying to follow God. And they're trying to instill godly principles in your life. And so your rejection of them is also a rejection of God. They stand in God's place in a real way. God has entrusted uh, your parents to you with the responsibility of raising you and instilling values in you. And when you reject them, that's a rejection of God as well. If I put Hannah, my 17-year-old, in charge of the house, and this happens a lot. Em and I are going out to eat. Hannah's in charge, all right? You guys do what Hannah Hannah says. If if Hannah tells Haddon, Haddon, I want you to pick up your plate, take it into the the kitchen, and wash it off. And if he looks at her and says, I'm not doing it, okay? Not only has he rebelled against her, but that has something to do with me too, doesn't it? I mean, when I get home, there's going to be something that happens there. Why? Because she stands in my place. I've given her authority. And, and, and when Haddon rejects her authority, he rejects my authority. He's in trouble with me. In the same way, parents, God's put you there. Children, God's put your parents in authority over you. And when you reject their authority, when you disobey them, you are also disobeying God. And, and, and especially when their values are godly values, when they're instilling God's truth in you and commanding and setting boundaries for you that are made because of God's truth, you're rejecting God's boundaries as well. So to reject your parents in a real way is to reject God. Another reason. Not learning to submit to the authority of your parents probably says something pretty negative about the rest of your life. Just in general, kids that cannot obey their mom and dad, very seldom obey a teacher, uh, usually don't obey the law, have a really hard time submitting to a boss. In other words, there's just this whole relational element that exists, that when, when you don't ever learn that as a child, when you don't ever learn to submit to your mom and dad, that's not going to speak well of you, for you, for your relationships in general for the rest of your life. How about this one? Again, we're talking about quality of life, that it may be well with you, quantity of life. Disobedience to your parents is going to make everybody really miserable until you get gone. And maybe for a long time after that even. Uh, man, have you seen this? Have you recognized this? When there's a child in the house that, that, that is being rebellious, that, is, that, that will not follow the, the boundaries and the governing of their mom and dad, that, that makes everybody miserable. In fact, even, even grown children often make their parents very miserable because of their rebellion. And, and so when it talks about quality of life, I mean, that, that's a real thing. That you're, you're submitting to authority is, is a real factor in the quality of your family's life. There's just something good, spiritually good, for a child who learns to obey his parents. There's something extremely valuable in, in that, in that parent child relationship. In, in a real way, to a two year old, Haven is, is learning more about God by the way that I react with her than anything she's going to learn in Sunday school. 
You know, she learns by the way that, 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 that I treat her, by the way that I govern her, by the way that I love her. She learns to trust somebody other than herself. She learns to submit her will to a higher authority. She's learning all kinds of things about God, and she doesn't even know it. Just by the relationship that, that, that she has with her parents. Those are important things. There's a lot at stake. You know, parents, I know that you want to bless your children. I know that you want to give them the best opportunity for an abundant, satisfying life. This is how. You know, more than education, some of you are going to be able to give your kids incredible educations. You know, you're going to, you're going to send them to Harvard and Yale and whatever. That's great. Some of you may be able to, to help them financially. You know, they, they can come out and get married and you, you'll, you'll give them a down payment for a house. Wow, that, that's awesome. Some of you have been able to help them with athletic ability and, and beauty and style and how, how, to, how, to, how to, people skills. Man, so, some of you, I, I can always tell parents that are really, you know, savvy on people skills because their kids are really good at that, you know. And, and their kids are just really pleasant to be around. They, they know how to introduce somebody and shake hands. All those things, the, 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 those are great things. But the best way, the best way to enable your child to have a satisfying, abundant life is by teaching them to obey and to honor you. And I know that we can't do that for them, but we can expect it. And you know what? There are ways that we can make it easier for them to obey and honor us. And there are ways that we can make that more difficult. Notice where Paul goes after verse 3. So he gives the promise. And then in verse 4 he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's a verse that says, dads, okay, you got this huge thing going on here. And this, 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 is really, this is really important for your children's life. Dads, don't make this hard. Don't make this miserable. Don't, 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 don't hurt your children's chances of, of fulfilling this command and receiving this promise. You, you know, notice again, fathers, okay? Here's another place where God singles out me, okay? Why? Because I'm a guy and because I'm a married and because I have children, that makes me a father, okay? And here's a place where God's speaking to me and God's talking to me. Guys, again, it's this whole headship thing. We're responsible, okay? Moms, you're going to spend a whole lot more time probably with the kids than, than, than a lot of dads. But here's where it comes down to in the Bible. When, when it comes to verse 4, God goes right back to the fathers. Fathers, this is your, your responsibility. Don't, don't govern in such a way that you provoke your children to wrath. Don't discipline in such a way that you provoke your children to anger. Don't frustrate them. Don't produce anger, deep-seated anger. Now, now, I know what you're going to say. How in the world are you going to discipline a kid without it upsetting him? Well, there is an upsetting element to discipline. There is a, there is a painful element to discipline. But here's the thing, and many of you have seen this. There's a way to do that in which almost brings out greater affection in the child. Have you seen that? You ever, you ever spank your child for something and, and you do it right, you talk to them, you, you discipline them, you get that thing done and immediately they're coming right up in your lap. You know what I mean? It's, it's an affectionate thing. It didn't produce anger in them. It didn't produce a deep-seated resentment against you. It produced a, Dad, man, I love you and, and I, don't, I don't want to disappoint you again. Okay, that, that's the thing we want to happen. What we don't want to happen is to do this in a way that produces resentment and a deep-seated anger in our children. Now, real quick, what are some ways that fathers can govern their households in, that produce deep-seated anger in the family? Okay, let, let, me, let me give you a few, okay? And these are just, just kind of random. But um, first of all, fathers, fathers provoke anger in their children when they mock the child or belittle the child. 
You know, guys, there's a lot of times where we just, we, we lack tools, okay? Not tools in the garage, but tools to deal with our kids, you know? And, and I've been there before, and there's times where you're trying to get something across, you know? And you're trying to get the kid motivated in a certain direction, and you're kind of trying to get the kid to stop doing this and to start doing that. And, and it's really easy to pull out the tool that, that really we really know well in the world, and that's, that's humiliation. We get that a lot in the world, don't we? You know, I mean... There's, there's a lot of times where, where people humiliate us to try to move us in a certain direction. That's not a good tool to use for kids. It, it, it's, not, it's not very successful, to, especially if you do it all the time. Now, you know, they're, they're, everything in life, obviously you can get away with it a couple times. Maybe there's a place where they know you're kind of kidding. But, you know, to, to simply use the sissy, wimp, you know, are you stupid, uh, that tool... It may produce obedience, but it may also produce a lot of misery and a lot of resentment, a lot of anger in that child. You know what's true about your child? Your child is created in the image of God. You know what Psalm 127.3 says? It says, children are a heritage from the Lord, a reward from God. And, and we ought to treat them like that. You know what? When we uh, Here's another way. Fathers can, or mothers as well, can provoke anger in children when, when, there's, when there's an absence of time spent. Um, when there's an absence of investment in the child. I think when Walker Moore was here, remember that a few years ago? Um, he, he talked about uh, kind of like a bank, you know. The more, you, the more deposits you make, the more withdrawals you can make. And, and if, if we're never making deposits, if we're never spending time, you know, if we don't ever go to the swimming pool and have this bloody collision in the pool and blood's in the water and, you know, this horrible thing. If we don't ever do things like that, uh, it's hard for us to make withdrawals from our kids as well, right? Fathers provoke anger in children when, when they're mean or cruel to the child's mother. You know, I do a lot of uh, counseling, premarital counseling. We always talk about the family when I do premarital counseling. Uh, just do a lot of counseling with just people in general. And I tell you what, there is nothing that produces a more deep-seated resentment in a child when that child sees a father being cruel to her mother. Or even the opposite. I've, I've actually had other, you know, when they see a mother that's just harsh and, and, and mean to the father. Um, man, one of the best things I can do for my kids is really love Emma well and, and treat her well. Uh, I, that's a good thing I can do for my kids. Fathers provoke anger uh, in children when they're not consistent with discipline, when the line's always moving, uh, especially with little kids. This is more with little kids. But, man, when that line moves, that's, that's a frustrating thing to a kid, you know? If I say, Haven, come over here. Let's get dressed. You know, you need to get dressed. And she says, you know, give me a minute. So I go do something else. And I say, Haven, come over here and get dressed. She doesn't come. So I don't say anything. Haven, come over here and get dressed. She doesn't come. So finally I go over there, punish. That's enough. You're going to come when you're daddy. Okay, but what did I just teach her? I just told her very clearly, you got three shots, okay? Now, what if the next day I'm irritated already, okay? And I've had a bad day. And I say, Haven, come over here. She doesn't move right away. Bam, I go over and punish. Okay, now, what did I just do? Well, yesterday I said, you got three, you got three times. I, I'll tell you three times before you get punished. Then the next day, man, the line moved. And, and she did not. I never gave her any indication that the line was moving, Okay? It just I just had a bad day. Hey, you know what? That would produce anger in anybody, wouldn't it? 
You know, if, if you drive the same street to work every day and the speed limit's 35, and, and, and so you drive 35 every day, okay, or you drive a little more, more than that, and when you drive 45 and you get picked up by the police, you understand, hey, that was fair, okay? I shouldn't be driving 45. But then one day you go to work and you're driving 35 and you, the police pulls you over and he said, no, the speed limit's 15. We changed it this morning, okay? That produces a little anger, doesn't it? You know, because the line just moved. We shouldn't do that to our kids. Fathers provoke anger in a child when their discipline has no great purpose. You know, man, we as Christians have this incredible opportunity to tie everything we do with this great purpose of God. You know, don't lie. You know why we don't lie, son? Because Jesus is truth and the devil is the liar and the father of lies. That's why we don't lie. You know, you, you need to pick up your room. Why do we pick up our room? Well, Proverbs 6 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding hands, the rest. So poverty will come upon you like an armed man and want like a bandit. Okay? The, the Bible says something clearly about being lazy, not, not taking care of your business. Why, why do we do what mom tells us the first time? Because there's a promise in the Bible that says, honor your father and mother, obey your mom and dad, so that it may be well with you and your days may be long in the land. Why, why, why do we be nice to our little sister? Because Jesus said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Christ has forgiven you, instead of, because I said so. You know, if, if a kid gets, gets this message that, that you're disciplining because you annoy me or you're inconveniencing me or you, you, I don't want to mess with you or you embarrass me, man, parents, it's really, it's really a dangerous thing to discipline out of embarrassment, you know, to come down hard on a kid, not because you did something that was, was against the, 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 the thrust of the Bible and, and the commands of Jesus, but because you embarrassed me in front of a... What does that make it? That means I'm punishing you because, because you, 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 you hindered me or you embarrassed me or you, you caused pain to me. Okay, that, that's vengeance. That's not discipline. Our kids need to know that we discipline because of what, what the Bible has told us. Because we, we have your best interests in mind. Favoritism provokes anger in a child. See Jacob and Esau in the Bible. Uh, fathers who, 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 who are mothers who, for whom it's never enough. It's never good enough. Uh, I think we can provoke anger in our kids if there's a lack of encouragement. You, you know what I've noticed about what God does for us as his children? God is constantly telling us incredible things about us. Okay? You remember the first three chapters of Ephesians? What, what were they all about? You're chosen. You're beloved. You're forgiven. You're filled with the Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You, you have this eternity. I mean, and constantly God does that consistently in the biblical books. He tells us all these incredible things about, about who we are in Christ. Man, shouldn't we do the same with our kids? Shouldn't we be telling them who they are in Christ and who, who they are to us? We should. We should make songs about them, you know? I mean, I got, I got a song for Avery. I sing to her, you're, you're my chickadee, you know? Uh, you're my little chickadee. And if, any, if I call anybody else chickadee, she gets greatly offended, you know, because that's who she is to me, you know? We need to do that. Notice what it says. Last thing. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Dads, this is us. Man, fathers, do this. Bring them up in the discipline discipline. As, as, you, as you would from the Lord, as the Lord disciplines us, as He treats us, we treat our children. Bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Man, dads, we're, not, we're falling down on our job. We're not doing the best thing for our kids unless we are in some way teaching them to know the Scriptures. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Man, we're running out of time, but uh, listen to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, on the frontlets between your eyes. You write them on the doorposts of your house. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. All these verses are telling us, give your kids the word of God. Give them the word of God. And dads, I know that we feel ill-equipped to do that. Hey, just just try your best, okay? And get some help, okay? I, I was going to go out and get a whole bunch of books, and there was only two left. But we're going to order more. We've got all kinds of resources at the church that we can help you with. We've got 365 uh, read-aloud bedtime stories. You say, I don't, I don't know the stories of the Bible. Get one of these, okay? Simple. They're one page each, bedtime stories. Uh, we've got comic book New Testaments, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think, or Acts, I think we have, all in a comic book format. Um, we'll order more stuff. Let me tell you what I'm doing right now. I switch up all the time, but right now i got a book on manners that we're going to start doing at the table. i got it set right by our table. We're going to read a little bit out of it each day. Um, in the evenings, I rotate between, uh, we got a little, a little book on fear that we're doing. Uh, it's got kids' pictures drawn in it. We're talking about fears. Um, we're doing the catechism. Uh, we're doing um, Answers in Genesis. Uh, got a bunch of those little books that have questions by kids uh, about the Bible, about Genesis and stuff. Uh, and then, then we, do, we tell Bible stories. We kind of rotate between all of that. And when you tell a Bible story, man, make it fun. Here, here's what we did last night. Uh, we were doing Achan, the story of Achan. Remember, he, uh, he, he takes the, the thing out of Jericho that he's not supposed to take and gets stoned. Okay? Great story in the Bible. Uh, here's what we did. Had Avery go up. We do this a lot, especially with the little kids. She gets whatever stuffed animals that we want. And I incorporate all the stuffed animals into the story. Okay? Uh, why do something like that? Because the Bible's cool, and let's make it fun, you know? I mean, let, let's, let's make it fun. Uh, it, it is, you know? It's good to learn from, from, from the Bible. Let's do things that act them out. Use Barbie. I mean, it, it creates all kinds of object lessons. But, but where, wherever you're at, do something. Do something to communicate God's Word to your kids. All right, we're out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, giving, us, giving us children. God, what a... What a incredible blessing, God, that you have entrusted to us this next generation that we might teach them the glorious deeds of the Lord. And Father, I pray that you would, um, you would help us with that, God. Uh, we feel very inadequate, God. I, I am so aware of the many, many times, Lord, that I've blown it as a dad. And I just thank you for grace. I thank you that you give grace, Lord, so that we don't have to be perfect. And, uh, and God, you help us to, to press forward. And Lord, I, I just pray that that the students in this room, God, would really get the vision that, that they can count on you, that, that your promises are real, and that you've made them a promise that if they will obey their parents and honor their father and mother, that it will be well with them, that their days will be long in the land. God, that you, you, you will be for them everything that they need. Father, I pray, help us to lead our kids to a relationship with Christ. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.